Well, hey, everybody. My name is Norton, and this is the New Denver Church podcast. And today, uh, there is a supplemental podcast, uh, which means this is not just a message from our Sunday morning worship service. This is one of those extra messages that we do from time to time. Um, And it's not even connected to a Sunday message or a Sunday message series. This is about uh, a totally different topic that is important um, during this season we're in. And I'll tell you why it's important in a little bit. But I want to begin by simply asking a question. Um, Oh, by the way, my name's Norton. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at New Denver Church. Here's the question. Why do we observe holidays? Why is it that we observe holidays regularly during the year? I think there's two reasons. Uh, You could probably list a whole bunch, but I think there's two primary ones. It's to remember and to celebrate. That there's something specific about setting aside certain days of the year to remember things and to celebrate things. And there are actually biblical roots in all of this. Holidays are uh, central to particularly the Old Testament. The, The nation of Israel had these regular holidays they celebrated Um, And you can read about this in the early books of the Old Testament, where they actually had three spring holidays or festivals and three fall holidays or festivals every year. And uh, they were called to gather and to celebrate these uh, six feasts or festivals every year. And, And in many ways, these holidays marked the community's movement through the year, and it marked their worship of God. And there's this sense that the year uh, was made up of, of ordinary time and then sacred time. There are ordinary days and sacred days. There are ordinary seasons and times, and then there are these sacred moments and days and holidays. And it's not that the sacred days are better than the ordinary days, the ordinary days are just part of life, and, and they're important as well. It's just that we, we, if I was an Israelite, we are to set aside these specific days as sacred days, as days where we do something different. Now, you get to the New Testament, and you see that Jesus celebrated these festivals. There's all kinds of stories in the gospel accounts of him going to Jerusalem to celebrate these regular holidays or sacred days in the Jewish calendar. And then um, when followers of Jesus begin the church and the New Testament documents are put together, even though the New Testament documents don't mandate that Christians continue to celebrate these specific Jewish holidays— The New Testament does suggest in a few places that observing specific days or holidays can still be valuable, right? And so what you begin to see in history is this church calendar is developed where Christians began to mark specific days in the life of their faith, in the life of the community of the faith, uh, in the life of of Jesus, right? And, And these regular holidays... In the church calendar, they help us do these two things really well. They help us to remember something really important and to celebrate something really important. We have to remember because in the ordinary 
days of life and the, and the busyness that we find ourselves caught up in, we, we rarely pause to remember what's important. We often forget, right? And so these days are days where we set aside and we pause and we remember what's important. And we also celebrate what's important. We celebrate God. We celebrate what God has done in our lives. These are days where we, 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 we get out of the weeds of our lives and, and out of the weeds of our busyness. And, and we remember that our lives are so much bigger than the bills and the work and, and taking kids to school and, and doing this and that and all the things we do. All things are important, but, but on these days we, we remember and then we celebrate. And, and holidays don't have to be uh, big or extravagant. They don't have to be experientially life-changing. The way that they impact us is simply because they're regular things that we do every single year. And when you think about it, like Thanksgiving fits this mold, right? It's, it's not necessarily a Christian holiday or it's not part of the church calendar, but it's just just this holiday that everyone celebrates in our culture, and it's a moment, it's a day, it's a season where everyone pauses and they look back, they remember what they can be thankful for, and they celebrate together what has happened in their lives that year or what they have to look forward to or all the things that are meaningful to them. So holidays help us Remember and celebrate. And you could say it's the same with birthdays and anniversaries too, right? These aren't holidays that everyone celebrates in general, but they're, the, they're like holidays. We, we, we celebrate birthdays and we celebrate important anniversaries where uh, perhaps a relationship is celebrated, a marriage, a wedding anniversary, or there's a key event that took place in our life. And and every year we mark that event by remembering that event on the specific anniversary day of that event. And so birthdays and anniversaries, they're the same. We remember and we celebrate. For someone's birthday, we remember who they are. We remember when they were born. We remember how much they have contributed to our world, and we celebrate them as a person. And it's interesting because, personally speaking, um, my friends know me as somebody who doesn't celebrate at least birthdays that big, right? I'm just not a big birthday person. Um, it's not that I ignore birthdays. I mean, we do things in my family or for me on my birthday, but I just, we just don't make it a big deal. And, and I've kind of wondered why, because I have friends who, who go all out and they do all kinds of things for birthdays and, and I'm just not that way. And I, I was thinking about it and I, I realized I'm not that way for two reasons. One, birthdays weren't a huge deal for me growing up. And that's not to say we didn't celebrate them. We did. And, and I, I remember once or twice when I was little having a party and inviting some friends over. But as I got older, um, uh, we didn't make a big deal. I mean, we did. My parents were great at buying gifts. They always bought awesome gifts. And we would potentially have a dinner and maybe invite grandparents over or something like that. But we didn't throw a ton of huge parties, which is fine. I didn't really like that. But I think part of the way I am today when it comes to birthdays is simply because of the way I grew up with them. I also think the reason I don't make a big deal out of birthdays is because I'm just 
I'm kind of lazy. Like to make a big deal out of somebody's birthday or an anniversary, it requires work. It requires planning. It requires thinking ahead of time. It requires setting things up and organizing and talking to people and doing all that. And honestly, I just, I, it's not that important to me to do that. And yet, if I don't really make a big deal out of, let's say, birthdays or an anniversary, right? Think about the opportunity I'm missing to celebrate someone really well, maybe one of my kids, to do something meaningful on that day rather than just it be like an ordinary mundane day, rather than it be like all the other days of the year. This day could be different. It could be fun. It could be exciting. It could be it could be just different than all the other days. I miss that opportunity if I don't make a big deal of birthdays. I miss the opportunity to convey to this person, right, that they're important to me, that I'm glad they're in my life, or, or to convey uh, to a relationship or convey that this event was important in my life and I mark it every year because of it, it was so important. And when I think about all these things, I immediately think of my friend Emily Schultz, whom many of you know, because Emily is the opposite of me. Emily does holidays and birthdays and anniversaries and any sort of potential special day that could exist in the year. Emily does them really, really well. And maybe it's just her personality. I don't know. Maybe she was born that way, right? Maybe it's intentional. I don't know if she made a decision at some point in her life that she was just going to become known as like the party person, the holiday person, the the make a big deal out of every possible special day person. I don't know. But but whenever there's somebody's birthday, she she goes crazy, she throws parties. She always remembers people's birthdays. She puts it down in her calendar. She she celebrates holidays. She loves Valentine's Day, right? She she celebrates Pie Day. A few weeks ago, she took all her kids to eat pie to celebrate Pie Day. She just she celebrates holidays in ways that very few of us do. And that's important for me to see somebody else who engages holidays, who engages the calendar, who thinks about these set-aside days differently than I do. There's one other special occasion that we sometimes have in our lives, and and it's not a calendar thing. It, It doesn't come regularly. But I think it fits in a similar category, and it's, it's a funeral. I was thinking, why do we go to funerals? We go to funerals really for the same reason we celebrate holidays or birthdays. We go to remember and to celebrate. Now, we also go to grieve. Someone has passed away, and there's loss there, and we grieve that loss. But when we gather to grieve that loss at a memorial service or a funeral, what do we primarily do? We remember this person, and we celebrate them. 
I went to a funeral this past fall. A friend of mine, her son died uh, tragically and unexpectedly. He was a teenager and uh, it was packed. There must have been four or five hundred people there. Lots of other teenagers and friends. And it was it was sad. It was heart-wrenching. And scripture was read. And his life was remembered. And he was celebrated. And we all grieved. And when I left, I just had this overwhelming sense that there was something deeply sacred about what we all did. That, that's just the word that immediately came to mind. It was sad. It was grieving. It was, uh, but it was sacred. And I even thought how important it is for all of these uh, teenagers who don't often go to funerals to be a part of this this thing where we had to grieve and we remembered and, and we celebrated and, and there were all kinds of conflicting emotions and confusing emotions, but they're very human emotions that we, they, we all had to acknowledge and somehow hold together in this difficult way, but we, we did it together and we were a community of people gathering together. And that's what happens at funerals. When someone close to us passes away, usually the closer we are to them, the more important they are in our lives, the more important it is for us to gather for a funeral. <laughs> if it's somebody very close to us, we're, we'll drive far. We'll fly across the country. If, if we have kids, we'll figure out how to manage it, right? We'll find childcare if we need to. If our kids are older, we'll explain to them because we know this is important for them to go to and we'll help them understand that, that this is a part of life and, and we're going to remember them and celebrate them and there's hope and yet there's sadness. And, and it's just such an important thing to remember and celebrate a person, not just on their birthday and not just to remember and celebrate holidays in our lives, but even when they when they die. Now, as I was thinking about all of these things, holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, funerals, how do we do these well? How do we mark holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, and funerals well? How do we remember and celebrate well, I think we do two things. We prioritize them, meaning, as I said, if the person is close to us who passed away, we do whatever it takes to go to the funeral, right? Because we just know it's important. We need to be there, right? If people's birthdays are important, we circle them on the calendar. We make space to celebrate that birthday. Holidays, right? We all know when the big holidays are. We prioritize Thanksgiving and Christmas. We, some of us make travel plans. We buy airline tickets, you know, months and months ahead of time. We, we organize with family and we plan ahead. And we're, some of us are 
picking out the, the menu of what kind of foods we're going to make for, for Easter or Thanksgiving. And, and we have ritual, like we have all of these things that we do. So we, we make a priority of holidays and birthdays and funerals and anniversaries. That's one way we celebrate them. Well, we just, we simply prioritize them ahead of time. But secondly, we gather for them, right? We always gather with other people. When something's important, we, we get with other people. We, we have some sort of gathering together. I mean, think about a birthday. Of course, we might buy a gift for someone. Of course, we might call them on the phone. Of course, we might send somebody a text or send them a card in the mail. But, but being together is central, right? Being in the same room together, gathering together to, to mark this occasion together. It, when we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries, when we celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas well, we always do it with other people. In fact, think about these two different scenarios for a second. Let's, let's stick with Emily. Let's pretend it's Emily's birthday, right? And let's pretend her sisters text her to say happy birthday. Her parents who, who live in another state, they send her an email. And maybe the email has one of those things that you open and flowers pop out or it does something, right? Phil, her husband is at work. And from work, he calls a shop and has flowers delivered to her. And she's at home with the kids on her birthday. And, and maybe early that morning, Phil got the kids to make some cards for her. And they, and they left them out on the table at breakfast for her. And, and all of these are nice things, right? These are good gestures to show that, that her sisters and her parents and her husband and her kids and and people were thinking about her and they wanted to send birthday wishes to her. That's one way to mark her birthday. Here's a second way, a second scenario. Her parents fly into Denver secretly for the weekend. Her sisters and Phil scheme and organize a secret party. And then they invite all of her friends, and on the night of her birthday, uh, 40 or 50 people show up at her house, and, and there's cake, and there's, there's stories that are shared, and, and maybe there's not anything else planned about that moment. It's just everyone gathers, and they sing happy birthday, and it's fun, and we eat cake, and we do all of these things. And, and if you think about these two scenarios, scenario one where people are sending her well wishes and making cards and maybe buying a gift and sending her texts and emails, and scenario two where everyone's gathering to throw a huge party, which one is the more meaningful celebration? The one where people individually think about Emily for a minute or two and, and send her a text, or the one where everyone comes together and gathers to physically celebrate who she is. And maybe you're introverted like me. Maybe you don't like surprise parties like me. Maybe you don't want to be the center of attention like me. Still, the answer to that question is pretty obvious, right? When we gather, there's something more meaningful that takes place. And it's not about throwing the biggest and best party every year for somebody's birthday, all you have to do is have cake and show up, and that's what makes it meaningful. 
The point is not what you do when you get there. The point is just being together. You see, we celebrate holidays and we celebrate birthdays and, and we mark funerals by gathering together. We prioritize them and we gather. Now, let me totally switch gears and ask a really important question that you'll see is deeply related. What do we do for Good Friday? How do we celebrate the day of Good Friday well? I was talking with a group of people uh, several days ago and and I asked them this question. Um, did they celebrate or remember or mark Good Friday as a holiday growing up? And we went around the room and almost all of us did not. And almost all of us came from church traditions. We grew up going to church. There were a couple of people who grew up in in more liturgical traditions and their parents took them to a whole bunch of things during Holy Week. And they remember Good Friday was one of those, but most of us were not that way. Most of us grew up in a church tradition and we all remembered Palm Sunday we remembered on Palm Sunday, it was the day, it's the Sunday before Easter, and kids had palm branches in church. A lot of us remembered that, and we all remembered Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, we dressed up. Usually there were flowers. It's springtime, right? And uh, church was fun, and there was always a big meal afterwards, and we took pictures and all that. Like We, we, we almost all remembered those things, and hardly any of us knew anything about Good Friday. I mean, we knew on Friday, that's the day that we remember Jesus died on the cross, but that's it. There was nothing about it. Now, I know I grew up in a more evangelical and sort of Protestant background, and most of the people I was talking to did. And and I know in in Roman Catholic uh, background and, and, and culture and traditions, Good Friday is a much bigger deal. But I think for most Americans, most church Amer- American church people, Good Friday is just not a big deal. And I think there's actually something about our culture that's that way. Good Friday is it's kind of dark. It's somber. It's not fun. It's it's like it's not like Christmas at all, right? It's not celebrative. It's way more like a funeral. And we don't really like funerals that much. And as Americans, we we like Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Because we eat a ton. Of, we feast for those. We celebrate for those. We do fun things. There's there's gifts. Like, and it's interesting that Easter is in that category as well. And and we love Easter and we celebrate Easter for good reason. But a lot of us just. We don't mark Good Friday much at all. We treat it very casually. We know what the day means, but we don't really do anything different on that day than any other day of the year. And I want to suggest 
that that's tragic. I want to suggest, because I have learned in my own experience, in my own life, I have learned and I think I've come to the conclusion that shouldn't Good Friday be one of the most important days of the year? Shouldn't Good Friday be one of the most important holidays we could observe? Shouldn't Good Friday potentially be one of the most sacred, if not the most sacred day of the entire year? And the reason is because what happened on Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross, the cross is central to everything in our lives. If you are a follower of Jesus, our salvation, our identity, how we live, how we are formed in our lives, how we practice our faith, it is all wrapped up in what happened on Good Friday. Uh, Let me just read you a few passages from the New Testament. Paul was writing to his friends in the city of Corinth. He had founded a church there and And they were gathering and there was all these problems in the church and they wrote him and he wrote them back a letter. And he says in the letter, this is 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he spends a big section of this letter, you can go read it for yourself, talking about how central the cross is. That everything else in his life, everything else in his faith, everything that he knows, everything that he shared with them when he first met them, it was all about Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was the center of everything. He goes on in in Galatians 6.14, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's saying there is nothing about me that I could boast about, that I could brag about, that I could have confidence in other than the cross of Jesus Christ. Of course, as a follower of Jesus, we all know that we only find forgiveness with God. We find restoration with God. We find reconciliation with God. We find victory over our sin and over death, all of these things because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's why Paul keeps coming back over and over and over to say, I know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. I boast in nothing but the cross. You get to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, which is this mysterious book about, it's a vision that John has of of what God is going to do when he pulls everything together at the end of the world and he makes all things right and he overturns all the violence and all the evil and the full restoration of God's plan happens. And at the center of all of that is Jesus, is the one who is making all things new. And do you know how he is described? Revelation 5.12, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Yes, he is victorious. Yes, he is the lion who has overcome. Yes, he is all of these things. But what you see, 
what he will always be known as. What is the most important thing is that he is the lamb who was slain for our sins, for the sins of the world, right? The cross, what he did on the cross, it's central to why Jesus came. It's central to our salvation. It's even central to our identity. It's not like it's important to us in order order to become a Christian or to, to, to be reconciled to God. No, it continues to be. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. His whole identity for the rest of his life is wrapped up in being crucified with Christ. His identity is wrapped up in that. The church, as they uh, grew early on, they said, this is so important, what Jesus did on the cross to our faith and to our identity, that we're going to remember it regularly because Jesus told us to. And so the practice of communion or the Lord's Supper is doing what? Is proclaiming the cross, the death of Jesus. And it's not something that we just do every once in a while. And it's not something that We do just to look back and remember what Jesus has done for me. It's something that shapes all of our lives. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross, what? Daily and follow me. There's something about the cross and what Jesus did on the cross that should shape what it means every single day to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, Philippians 2, um, Paul says, uh, I want you to consider other people as more important than you. I want you to serve other people. I want you at times to love and surrender to other people. This is the kind of life that a follower of Jesus lives. And then he says, have the same attitude that was in Jesus' mind, who though he was equal with God, did not consider that something to hold on to, but he made himself a servant and he humbled himself and he became a human. And then he submitted himself to death for our sake. And then it says to death on a cross. Now it goes on to say, Jesus will be exalted and one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. But at the center of this this poem or this hymn that that Paul uh, quotes in order to help us understand the kind of life we should live, at the center of it is Jesus died on a cross for us. That should shape everything we do in our lives. And there's actually a term for this. It's to live a cruciform life. Cruciform means shaped by the cross. It's not just that our salvation was made for us at the cross. It's that our entire lives and faith are shaped by the cross. And I remember after a Good Friday service we did one year, a couple came up to me and they were a couple who had been in our church for a long time and they've been Christians most of their lives. And I remember them saying, something has changed for us. Because we are beginning to see more and more and more that what happened on Good Friday is not just about something we believed a long time ago that helped us become a Christian. What happened on Good Friday shapes everything about how we live and practice our lives. And that's why it's so 
meaningful, and so important. Now, perhaps you're thinking, um, what about Easter, right? (laughs) Isn't Easter important too? Um, Isn't that even maybe more important? Not that Jesus died, but that Jesus isn't on the cross anymore. Jesus rose from the grave, and that's true as well. And we celebrate that. But Easter does not negate the cross. Easter does not subtract the cross. It's not like something bad happened on the cross, but Easter sort of undoes it all. So now we just focus on Easter, but we don't focus on on the bad stuff that happens on the cross. It's almost like Easter multiplies what happens on the cross. The cross is not just the introduction to Easter. The cross is not just the penultimate act. It's not just the setup for Easter as if we should always give primacy to Easter. No, 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 no. Easter, we celebrate always in light of the cross. And Easter multiplies what Jesus did on the cross. And somehow we, uh, we hold both of them up and, and we try to do this at New Denver. Every time we talk about Lent, we always say Lent is leading us to remember Good Friday and to celebrate Easter Sunday. Both are equally important. And we live, yes, a resurrection life as followers of Jesus, because we believe he's been given us a, a new life and he gives us hope. And, 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 and when we were baptized, right, when someone is baptized, they go under the water, they died with Christ, and then they come up out of the water. They are raised with Christ. But as one uh, New Testament scholar, his name is Michael Gorman, he says this, the resurrection life of the Christian is cruciformity because cruciformity is suffused with resurrection. The cross is the pattern of life, while the resurrection is the power of that life. Do you see? We live a cruciform life. Everything we do should be shaped by what Jesus did on the cross. And the power to do that comes from the resurrection itself. And so, yes, Easter is important, but it does not diminish what happened on the cross. And if the cross is central to our salvation, if the cross is central to our lives, if it's central to our identity, if it's what Jesus did in the middle of history to overcome uh, death and sin and to to offer forgiveness for all, if, if it's the thing that shapes the way we live our cruciform lives, then shouldn't the one day a year Good Friday, that we remember what Jesus did. Shouldn't it be one of our biggest holidays? Isn't it probably the most important time? Yes, we can have sermons about the cross. And yes, we can take communion regularly. And yes, there's all kinds of other ways throughout the rest of the year that we should remember the cross and the empty tomb. But shouldn't Good Friday be one of those days we set aside that is unlike every other day and we say on this day, we pause to remember and to celebrate? <laughs> and so the question I find myself asking is, is this. <laughs> How can I be like Emily on Good Friday. The way that Emily approaches holidays, how can I approach Good Friday that way? 
How can I give the same importance that Emily gives to people's birthdays, that Emily gives to important holidays throughout the year? How can I give that same importance to Good Friday if it is indeed one of the, if not the most important aspect of my faith and identity, right? Well, I think there's just two really simple things we can do to make Good Friday that important and to mark it in that way. We prioritize it and we gather for it. Just like holidays, just like funerals, just like birthdays. We prioritize the day and then we gather for it. We actually come together as a community of faith and say, on this day, we are going to come together and remember it well. We don't have to throw the biggest party. It doesn't have to be the most awesome Good Friday service ever, right? We don't have to travel anywhere. We don't have to make any special commitments on this day. We simply prioritize it. We circle it on the calendar. We say, this day is a sacred day. And we're going to treat it as a sacred day. And then we're going to gather. We have a Good Friday service on the evening of Good Friday. We're all going to meet together and remember what happened on this day. And so here's here's what I think that could look like in in the most practical of terms, right? If, If we could just get down to the most practical of terms, it simply means we gather for a Good Friday service. And at our church, uh, we do that on Good Friday at 7.30 p.m. Uh, we've done that every year. We Actually, we haven't done it the last two years because of COVID. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about gathering again this year with the community on Good Friday. We do it at 7.30. I, I guess that could change in the future, but at least for now, we've done it at 7.30 each year. Um, and I know that's a bit late, but we do uh, a Good Friday service that is is in the same pattern that a lot of people, other people do it. It's called a tenebrae service. And that embraces the darkness of Good Friday. And tenebrae uh, means uh, the shadows or the darkness. And it's a way of remembering Good Friday And the service, as it goes along, gets darker and darker, and it actually ends in darkness. Because that's how Good Friday ended. And um, because of the way the time works and the time change in in spring, it doesn't get dark, at least in Denver, until about 7.30 or 8 p.m. And so that's why we start the service a little bit later. And we just think everybody should be at this service. I mean, we think there should be as many people at Good Friday as there are on Easter Sunday. And and I say that not because I've put a ton of work into this service and I just want to get as many people there as possible, not because I'm going to preach an awesome sermon and I want everyone to hear it. I'm not even going to preach a sermon. We don't do that. We do a really simple service. We just think that this is the best way to make this day sacred. It's gathering together to remember. Now, can you do other things on Good Friday? Of course you can. 
Can you do something that morning on your own? Of course you can. If you have a family or kids, can you talk that morning about what Good Friday means? Of of course you can. There's lots of other things, and I could go through some other suggestions for making this day sacred, but I don't think any of those other things substitute for gathering together with the community of faith. And so... Practically speaking, I hope you'll join us this year. Um, If you're out of town, no big deal, right? Uh, If you cannot make it because you're out of town or because there's something, some commitment you've made that there's no way you can get out of, it's, I mean, that's just the way it happens, right? It doesn't mean you're a sinner. It doesn't mean you're a rotten person, right? It just means, oh, that's a bummer. Next year, I'm going to make this a priority. Next year, I'm circling the date on my calendar, and I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. I'm going to start planning around this. Uh, you Again, you do this at Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know when those are every year. You buy plane tickets ahead of time. right? You, you do things to, to make sure that you have the space that you can gather with other people and celebrate. So just resolve that you're going to begin to do that every year with Good Friday and Easter. You can literally Google the dates right now. When is Good Friday and Easter in 2023, 2024, 2025? Like you can, you can go through for the next 10 years in your calendar and put those dates on your calendar and say, I'm going to make sure not to be out of town. I'm going to make sure not to have any other commitments that Friday night, that Sunday morning. We're always just going to plan to gather with others to mark these important days. Now, let me address one more thing. Because you might be listening and you might be thinking, all of this sounds great, but I have little kids. (laughs) What do I do with kids? How do you do Good Friday with kids? And of course, kids complicate things. And I get that. I have three kids. Now, they're teenagers at this point, but they were not always teenagers. There was a time when I had, Janice and I had three kids under two years old. And so we know what it's like. We, we did, this was before New Denver. We were going to another church at the time. We know what it's like to have to pack the kids up and get them to a service. And we had a double stroller and we had one kid who was barely walking and we had so many backpacks and diapers. I mean, it was, it was, as chaotic as it could possibly be. So I understand what it's like to have kids and try to navigate things like this with kids and to think like, it's just too hard. And so here's what I would suggest. If you have little um, babies, uh, then a 7.30 p.m. service on Good Friday probably isn't gonna work for them, right? Because they they already are, are asleep at that time. And so in order for you to participate, you're gonna have to hire a babysitter. And we think that's important. Do it. Hire a babysitter on this night, right? Now, we can't hire a babysitter for you. Obviously, you'll have to take care of that because you have your own list or you have people that you might want to trust. And But we'll help you as much as we possibly can. And so we will actually offer childcare reimbursement to help offset the cost of a babysitter because we don't want that to be a barrier. We don't want you to think, oh, it's just too expensive to hire a babysitter. Like, we'll help you pay for that if you'll hire a babysitter and come participate in a Good Friday service. If you have older kids, they are welcome to attend with you, the Good Friday service. Now, obviously, it's a little different than a Christmas Eve service, right? 
It's more solemn. It's uh, contemplative. Uh, so you'll need to explain to your kids what it's about and, and help them understand what the tone of the service is like. And, and you know, it, it wouldn't be appropriate for them to be running and laughing and jumping and all, all those kind of things, right? But, but again, we think it's that important to do. If you were attending the funeral of someone in your family, a loved one, right? You would do everything you can to try to tell your kids what this is going to be like. And I think you should be there so you can understand why we're doing this and why it's so important. And so if I, I don't know what age you can do that with your kids. I'll have to leave that up to you. When we started doing Good Friday services at New Denver, my kids were six and seven years old and they attended that first year, and they've always attended since then. And I think it's been a really important experience for them. It's not been life-changing for them. They don't come home after the Good Friday service saying, that was so amazing, mom and dad. I just think it's so important because as parents, I realize it is my responsibility to teach my kids what's important And we do that in significant ways on holidays. We're teaching our kids this day is important. And the rituals and the things we do on this day and the way we gather with other people says this is important. And on Good Friday, is there any other day where you can actually teach your kids what the cross means to you? what the cross can mean for them. So I'd encourage you if if you have kids in elementary age or or, whatever age, if you think they can come, bring them. Now, obviously, you can leave older kids at home with the sitter as well. Even if you do that, you're showing your kids. (laughs) This was important important enough for mom and dad to go. right? They hired a babysitter. And then they went to this thing. It must be important to them. I mean, if you go to a Broncos game or a Broadway show, uh, off-Broadway show downtown, right, the Performing Arts Center, you're going to spend hundreds of dollars on tickets and you're going to hire a babysitter for like five hours. And you should, because those are two really cool and fun things to do. I also think it's really important if you have to, to hire a babysitter for like two hours, right? On Good Friday, so that you can mark the day in a meaningful way. Uh, Obviously, last option is, uh, let's say there's no way you can hire a babysitter, there's no way you can make childcare work, and you just have kids and they're gonna have to stay at home. I get that, that happens sometimes. In that situation, I would encourage one parent to come to the service and the other to stay home with the kids. And then you say, next time this happens, you swap roles. And the other parent goes, and one of the parents stays home. It's not ideal. It's not perfect. But at least one of you gets to experience it. And it's better than nothing. So those are a few suggestions. Listen, I'm going to wrap up now. My goal in this podcast, in this message, is it's not to make anyone feel guilty. If you've never been to a Good Friday service Uh, Or maybe you weren't even planning on coming this year, right? This is not targeted at you. Uh, This is not about you. I am not trying to make you feel guilty. I am, you know who I'm speaking to? I'm speaking to myself from 15 years ago. 
I only started going to Good Friday services about eight or 10 years ago. And I'm speaking to myself from 15 years ago saying, this has become such a rich and important practice in my life. I can't point to any one Good Friday service to say it was life-changing. I just point to the practice now to say, this is a practice that I think is not only important to me, it's important to the community and it's important to my faith. And so I'm speaking to myself 15 years ago saying, hey, if there's any way you can start to make this a practice in your life, do it. Don't miss how important this is, whether you realize it or not, and how important it could be. And so I hope you'll think about it. I hope you'll ask the question, is Good Friday important to me? Is what we remember and celebrate on Good Friday important to me? And if it is, I hope we can all remember and celebrate together.